Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Our hearts should be very important to us because our heart affects everything that we do. So this means that the influences I allow in my heart affect everything about the way that I live my life. I'll never live a life that's pleasing to the Father until first I'm letting the peace of Christ rule in my heart and I'm letting the Word of Christ dwell richly within me. Then what comes out of me is a life that whatever I do in word or deed brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus. What happens in your heart when you read the news reports and you, you see what's going on in our land? Is, is there a fresh awakening in your heart? Engaging with people about God is a great thing, but engaging with God about people is the first thing. You see, He welcomes us because He sent His Son, Jesus, to the cross. He forsook His Son. You see, He's able to delight over you because He poured wrath upon Jesus. So, church, this season of awakening, by the mercy of God, ask the Father, awaken my soul into all of eternity, to the beauty, to the glory, the treasure, this man, Jesus. complete honor and delight it is to be here. I feel like I've disappointed you. I feel like you bought tickets to a Michael Jackson concert <laughs> and you're getting Cardi B. <laughs> if you're over 40, you didn't get that. What a joy it is to be here with you. It's, uh, it's been a crazy uh, couple of days. Started out Thursday. Uh, I serve on the board of a university down in Southern California. We had board meetings, and my son just so happens uh, to be about to go to that school because it's free. <clears throat> um, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, son, you don't need to pray about this. And um, uh, my wife came with me. My son came with me. I had to leave those board meetings early to preach in Dallas uh, on Saturday. Was in Dallas for less than 24 hours uh, and hopped on a plane to go back to L.A. to preach for uh, a son of mine in the ministry. We planted his church about seven years ago. They're seen about 5,000 people already, great multi-ethnic church and filled with the Spirit of God. Um, and so all that stuff was going on. And then I got a, got a call in the midst of just a busy weekend that I was on the threshold of uh, inviting me to this opportunity. And the more I heard Travis talk about it, just the more my heart was awakened and I felt a stirring. Um, but I've been married long enough, coming up on 20 years, to know that uh, you better get mama to co-sign on it. So uh, <laughs> mama didn't just give me her permission, she gave me her blessing. And so uh, uh, I, am, I am here. I, I walked in here, boy, I thought I was walking into a nice little quiet conservative church. <laughs> Y'all filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. If you have your Bibles, meet me in Hosea chapter 3. Hosea chapter 3, as you're making your way to Hosea chapter 3, I've got uh, three teenage sons, 17, 16, and 14. Pray for me, and uh, 
This offering should go towards my grocery bill. <laughs> my boys have the spiritual gift of eating. Um, in fact, I've already got it worked out when one of them comes to me, hopefully maybe in their 20s, and says, Dad, uh, uh, I've fallen in love with a girl. How do you know she's the one? I already know what I'm going to tell them. If you can look into her eyes the way you look into my refrigerator. <laughs> put a ring on it. Put a ring. Put a ring on it. Let me pray for us. Father, in the name of Jesus, even though we're just meeting each other for the first time, there is a yes in my spirit as I stand, because for many in this room, we share the blood of Jesus Christ. God, for what you are doing in this section of the vineyard, in and through this church, Father, to see multi-ethnic, multi-generational, what a picture of our eternal future reality. So, Father God, thank you that we have gathered into your presence. We have worshipped you vibrantly, Lord Jesus. We have talked to you and declared our affections to you. But the worship gathering is not a one-way conversation. It's not a monologue. It is a dialogue. And so, Father, we dare not leave your presence having just talked to you without you in turn talking to us. And so, Father God, as the old African-American preachers were prone to say, would you stand in my body and think with my mind and speak with my tongue those things you'd have us know, say, and do? God, I am not qualified to open the book and declare your word. So, Lord God, would you one more time use this cracked earthen vessel, deeply flawed, to grip the hearts of your people? And Father, while I'm at it, would you be so kind to save someone's soul? Bring some sinner off in the far country back home to the table of koinonia and feasting. Stir among us, Father God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's a verse in the Bible that I think every adult child should quote to their parents. It's Proverbs 13, 22. It says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Every time I'm with my dad, I quote that verse and I ask him the question, are you a good man? Last time I was saying this to him, we were on the north side there of Atlanta near his home seated at a cheesecake factory, and tongue-in-cheek, I quoted Proverbs 13:22 to him and, and attached to the end of it that rhetorical question, are you a good man? To which he said, funny, you should bring that up. I've just made some changes to the will. <laughs> In all seriousness, he says, son, I just sat down with my lawyer. My lawyer says, Dr. Loritz, I, I'm ready to go through this amendment process to your will. You need to understand some things about Georgia's state law. He says, Dr. Loritz, I see you've got four kids. 
Three of them are biological, one of them are adopted. Before we get started, you need to understand that Georgia state law stipulates that at any given moment, you can amend from your will your biological kids. But Georgia state law also stipulates that at no given point can you write out of your will your adopted child. That child is secure. This messes with me because for years I would read in Ephesians chapter 1 that talks about when we got saved, we were adopted into the family of God. And I would think that adoption was second-class citizenship. When the real reality of it all is adoption is not second-class citizenship, it is first-rate security. For right on the heels of him saying that when you got saved by grace through faith, you were adopted into the family of God, he says you were also sealed with the Holy Spirit. The idea of sealing of the Holy Spirit is not also the idea of authentication, but it is also the idea of security. The Spirit of God makes us secure. That we were placed in the hands of God by grace through faith. We entered into covenant with God. And there's nothing and no one, Jesus declares, that can remove us from his hand. Not even ourselves. We are in, in covenant with God. Now we come to the book of Hosea. And as we come to the book of Hosea, God continues this, this idea of his covenant relationship with his people, not his contractual relationship with his people. You need to understand there's a difference. When, when you became a follower of Jesus Christ, you did not enter into contract with God. You entered into covenant. Contracts are performance-based. Contracts are, are you do your part and I'll do my part. And if I'm pleased with your part, I'll re-up with you for the next term. Some of you are salespeople and you, you know that who cares what you did last quarter. It's all about what you did this quarter. And if for some reason your numbers aren't up to par, they can drop you because there's no sense of security outside of your performance. When we come to the book of Hosea, God is peering over the balcony of heaven and he's scratching his head. He beckons the prophet Hosea to come closer and to enter into discourse with him. And God is perplexed because here is God saying, Hosea, I've got a problem. My problem is I have entered into covenant, Hebrew word has said. And I've stepped into covenant, but but my bride, Israel, is a serial adulterer. She keeps cheating on me. By the way, you need to understand that every time we sin, not every time you sin, but every time we sin, we commit spiritual adultery. We compromise our vows. Here is God. He's saying to Hosea, Hosea, I've got a problem because, because my wife... My bride Israel is not keeping her vows. Now, Hosea, my real problem is not that I've married to a spouse who's cheating on me. 
But my real problem, Hosea, is that in my holiness, in my justice, in my righteousness, even though she's given me grounds to divorce her, I will not divorce her. Hosea, I'm never going to turn my back on her. I took vows. There's nothing she can do to make me leave her. And yet, Hosea, my people don't understand the depth and profundity of my love. Hosea, I'm, I'm calling you. There's a call on your life. I want to use you as my divine show and tell for how deep my love is for them. I, I want to prop you up, Hosea, and, and, and I want to demonstrate my unfathomable love for my people. I, I want to show them through you that I have more mercy than they have mess. That there is no statute of limitations on my grace. That my grace and my mercy and my love are inexhaustible. And along the way, Hosea, my hope is as they catch a whiff of my love, they will in some way, shape, or form be inspired to incarnate that love that they have received vertically from me, horizontally towards others. Because my son will say some centuries later, Hosea, that by this will all people know that you're my disciples. Not by the arguments you have on Facebook. Not by the theological information you have accrued. But by the love that you have for one another. Hosea, I, I, I see God continues. This is just me reading the white spaces of the text. Uh, Hosea, I, I, I know you just graduated from seminary and I see you're still single and I'm going to fix that, Hosea. I've got a wife picked out for you. I, I can see Hosea get real excited. Who is she, God? Who, 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 who is she? What is her name? Her name is Gomer. Now, if I'm Hosea, I ain't going to be excited right now because <laughs> I ain't met too many cute Gomers in my life. <laughs> Your name is Gomer, didn't mean to offend you. <laughs> and here is Hosea, and Hosea responds by saying, Now, God, what does she do? And I can see God channeling his inner Rick James. All the chocolate people are laughing. <laughs> and God is saying, this ain't the kind of girl you're going to bring home to mama. <laughs> For she is not used to be not was, she is a prostitute. Whoa, 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 God. 
I just graduated with the MDiv. I, I just got called to this church. My installation service is a couple months from now, God. God, I, I, I can see it right now. Me walking down the center aisle at my installation service, the prophet with the prostitute. The man of God with the woman of the night. Uh, no, 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 God, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but forgive the southern idiom, God, but your cheese must have slid off its cracker. <laughs> no, 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 God, that's too strange of a juxtaposition. Th those, those two things don't fit. And God is saying, Hosea, that's exactly the point. If it seems strange to you, Hosea, as I try to teach you and my people about love, let me give you a stranger sight. The fact that I, a holy God, would stoop so low as to be with you. What does it mean to love? I'm glad we've been, we've been learning a lot the last couple of days and awakenings and stirrings have been happening. They tell me, folk, we're, we're spread out on the floor in the presence of the Lord and that stirs my heart. But there's a call on your life. It is to be people of love. But what exactly does it mean to love? Our text, Hosea chapter 3, teaches us some fundamental principles of love that if you don't get these things right, your witness to the world will be blunted. What does it really mean to love? Number one, God says in so many words, if it never gets strange, profit with a prostitute strange. It may not be love. Uh, let me work on this. My youngest son is a baller. Uh, that, that boy, 14 years old, that boy can hoop. In fact, just this morning, we, we, we had a meeting at, a, um, at, at, a, at a, one of the top private schools that's offering my boy um, a full ride. Amen. Funny, my 14-year-old son heard about that. He says, can I get a raise in my allowance, Dad? <laughs> Around my house, we call my youngest RP, retirement plan. <laughs> and I'm saving all the receipts. <laughs> Just kidding, not really. But when we moved from New York City to the Bay, He got picked up by this, by this club there. And in, in the first tournament, we drive from our home in San Jose to San Francisco. And my son's the two guard. He's shooting guard. And, and, and the point guard, my wife and I are sitting down next to his two moms. My flight leaves. <laughs> My wife and I are sitting down next to him. We strike up a conversation. Uh, they're, 
there doing what couples do and we exchange phone numbers at the end of the tournament and my wife and I get in the car to drive back on 280 from San Francisco to San Jose and my wife and I turn to each other and in so many words, we, we just beg the question, what if God's calling us not to change them? Show me that chapter and verse. We can't change anybody. I can't even change myself. So what if God is calling us not to change them, but to love them? So we invite them over the house. I grew up in Atlanta in the 70s and 80s. Atlanta was a lot different back then. So this, this is strange. And they're sitting over at our house, kids at the table. They're doing what, what couples do. And we're hanging out. And that whole fall season, we're hanging out, enjoying, the, enjoying, enjoying wonderful meals at our house. And the whole time, I'm, I'm silently praying, please don't ask me what I do for a living. <laughs> And we're getting to know them. They're, they're this lesbian atheist couple. And they're hanging out. Fall season ends, spring season starts, they're over the house. And one of them says, hey, Brian, we've been hanging out for a while. We've never asked, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor. I tell people how to find true meaning, value, significance, fulfillment in life through God's only son, Jesus Christ. She got up from the table, muttered under her breath, never saw that coming, headed for the door. And I'm thinking, y'all call us judgmental? As a pastor, I can't say everything I'm thinking, so <laughs> I crack a joke. She comes back to the table. We finish up the evening. We hang out some more the next couple of weeks, and then I get a phone call from one of them. They said, hey, Brian, our kid is getting older. He's hitting that corridor. He's about 13 years of age where, where he needs a strong male voice in his life. He says, Brian, we've been hanging out for a while, and as you know, we live about 35, 40 minutes from you, but we, we just sold our home, and we're getting a new home around the corner from you because we think you need to be that strong male voice in our child's life. They said, we're also doing a housewarming party. And we'd love it if you'd come to our house and bless our house. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> now, when you say blessed, you mean as talk to God through God's only son, Jesus Christ? They said, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. Just, just, just do what you do. <laughs> so my wife and I go over there Sunday afternoon. We rush over there after church. And from the looks of things, my wife and I are the only heterosexual couple 
in the house. And it's strange. It feels awkward. And the whole time, this one woman is just snapping pictures. Snapping pictures, snapping pictures. The next day, I'm in my office, and my wife texts me, sweetheart, they done tagged us on Facebook. <laughs> a few hours later, I get a phone call from one of the old 80-something-year-old mothers at the church. Travis, the first thing she says to me is, Pastor, I was on Facebook. <laughs> oh, snap. Y'all put a timer on me. 11 minutes, 46, 45, 44. I'm so sorry. I'm so, I'm so. I got to rush. I got to rush. I got to rush. I got to rush. Y'all ain't going to hear the end of that story. Let's go to the next point. The circles I run in, I'm not used to clocks. I feel discriminated against. I might as well tell you the end of the story. Um, She said, Pastor, I was on Facebook. Her words, not mine. Is my pastor partying with homosexuals? Because the Jesus I know. Now, there's a verse in the Bible I do not like. If I could cut out this one verse, I'd cut it out. It says, do not rebuke an older person. Don't raise your hands. I know some seasoned saints who need to be rebuked. I said, Mother, you might want to read up on Jesus some more. Because the Jesus I know hung out in some strange places. How strange are your relationships? How strange is your dinner table? It's a shame. And I'm blessed tonight because this isn't true here. But it's a shame. Most churches you can go, that's the Fox News church. That's the MSNBC church. That's the CNN church. That's the rich white church. That's the poor black church. The problem with Christianity is we've gotten far too tribal. Far too eclectic. We've gotten far too insular. But to really follow Jesus, to really come to terms that I'm Gomer, I'm the jacked up one. 
And we ain't going to elevate one sin over the other. You got a thing. I got a thing. My thing may not be your thing, but all God's children got something. So a couple weeks later after the housewarming, um, we, we, we came up to these two moms. They says, look, big ask, we're going on vacation, our family, going to New York. Then we're going to go down to a Christian camp in South Carolina. We'd love to take your son with us. Huge ask. I know it's thousands of miles away. We'll pay for everything. Y'all think about it. Get back to us. We'll send you the link to the Christian camp, the whole nine. They said, we don't need to think about it. We trust you. He can go with you. We fly to New York City, spend a week there, then go to the Christian camp. Last night at Christian camp, their son comes to me and says, Mr. Loritz, can you show me how to be a follower of Jesus Christ? <laughs> what got that boy on that plane was love. A couple days later, I get a call. I knew it was coming. I don't know what happened on that trip. But since my boy's been back, he's been carrying a big Bible saying, we need Jesus and we need to go to church. She says, we want to come to church, but we want to know, is your church safe for us? Because Christians have hurt us. I said, as long as I'm the pastor there. And so now on Sundays, it's the lesbian couple on the front row next to the senior pastor and his wife. Strange. I don't know when it happened, but when we come to Hosea chapter 3, it happened. By the time we come to chapter 3, the experiment is over. They are estranged. They are separated. And when we piece together the circumstantial evidence, we can figure out how that happened. It was her fault. She cheated on him. If I'm Hosea, I'm, I'm going, well, fine. I don't want to be with her in the first place. This was your idea, God. In fact, God, let me quote you some scripture. Leviticus actually tells me that she's given me the biblical right to divorce her. God now, in chapter 3, verse 1, flips the script and he says, And the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. It is as if God is saying, Listen, Hosea, remember your marriage is not ultimately about your marriage, but your marriage is to give the world a window into my divine, astounding love. And, Hosea, if every time you screwed up I wiped my hands clean of you you wouldn't have made it out the first day so I need you to do to her what I do to you every single day and go again who's in your life that you've written off Who, who's in your life that you have emotionally moonwalked away from. 
Who's in your life who gossiped about you one time? Lied on you once, betrayed you one time, and all of a sudden you praising God for caller ID and you've cut that relationship off. I, I can see God baffled by our hypocrisy. I can see God scratching his head. Let me get this straight. She gossiped about you once and you're done? When I've forgiven you 70 times seven. Verse 2, I love it. Hosea says, so I bought her, don't miss this, for 15 shekels of silver, don't miss it, and a homer and a lethic of barley. In modern parlance, Gomer is being sex trafficked. She's in bondage. The going rate to emancipate someone like Gomer in that day was 30 shekels of silver. So why does, it, why does the text say, I bought her for 30 shekels of silver? Why does it say that I bought her for 15 shekels and a homer and a lethic of, of barley? Why the specificity? Answer, he didn't have 30 shekels. I, I, I can see him now. Rummaging through his house, lifting up the cushions to his sofa, checking under the bed, scraping up 15 shekels, taking it to the auctioneer, saying, that's all I've got. I'm just trying to be obedient to God. That's my wife right there. And the auctioneer saying, I, I, it's 30 shekels. And, 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 and they negotiate back and forth. What if I had a homer and a lethic of barley on top of it? Okay, let me check with the boss. I'll take it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. To emancipate the person who cheated on him cost him everything. If you ain't paying a price, you ain't loving. But isn't that our problem? We want Nordstrom quality community at thrift store prices. We don't want to be inconvenienced. I got three teenage boys. Of course they're selfish. Of course they're narcissistic. And they're going to have the nerve to say, I can't wait to get up out of here. I want to say, and neither can we. One of my sons made a mess of his life a couple years ago. Started messing around in drugs. Sneaking out of the house, lying, driving us nuts. My wife and I are sitting in therapy trying to figure things out. On the way here, I got a little bit nostalgic because we actually sent him to a school two hours from here, Leahona. Cost us thousands of dollars. Shed 
gallons of tears. But none of y'all are clapping and you shouldn't because something you should say, that's your child, of course. Well, if you're a Christian, of course. Love is strange. Love is costly. Let's go home on this one. If I were to end the message right here, I, I would make love seem like some spineless thing. Let's keep it real. Keep it 100. I, if we ended the message here, love is no different than tolerance. The world is into this tolerance thing. Which, that's such a low ethic. I tolerate you. God doesn't call us to tolerate. He calls us to love. And here's where the game gets upped. He says, I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley. And then watch what he says after he emancipates her. And I said to her, you must not play the whore. So that love is strange, love is costly. Watch it. Love has a standard. It's a standard. So our gay friends come to me all excited. Pastor Brian, Pastor Brian, man. He would come to our church. Would you do our vow renewal ceremony? My flight leaves tomorrow. <laughs> I said, you know I love you. You've been over here for barbecues and I'm, I'm Am I allowed to think differently on something than you and not be called a bigot? My standard is not your happiness. My standard is the word of God. I can't do the ceremony. I love their response. Oh, we figured you could. You're being a little bit dramatic. <laughs> Love does not say, do you. But watch the order. He doesn't give her the standard first and then emancipate her. Had he done that, he would have made her emancipation conditional upon her obedience to the standard. Instead, he sets her free and then gives her the standard so that now putting the standard on the backside of the emancipation, she now puts it in the category of delight and not duty. Don't you see that's the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? 
God doesn't give us the standard first and then freeze us. He frees us first. This is what he did to Israel. God doesn't come to Israel and say, hey, look, 10 commandments. I know you're in bondage to Egypt. Check these 10 things off the list and then I'll open up the Red Sea. This is not what he does. He opens up the Red Sea first and then gives them the 10 commandments so that their obedience would not be in the category of obligation, but in the category, I can't believe I get to do this for a God who did this for me. Friends, don't you ever forget the order of Romans 2, 4. It is God's kindness that leads to our repentance. It is never our repentance that leads to God's kindness. See, that's why as I close, I've been preaching Hosea 3 wrong to you. I've been giving you the secondary application of how we are to love one another, but we can never love one another the way God tells us to until we first understand that God is the one who loves us. And the primary application is I'm Gomer. I'm the one messed up. Until you get your self-righteousness off of you and you see I'm a wreck, I'm a mess, I'm toe up from the flow up. You'll never love this way. Until you understand that on the cross, for you, Jesus Christ paid his 15 shekels of silver and a homer, and a lethic of barley. Though he were God in the flesh, he humbled himself for us. Didn't lose his status. I'm diamond status with Delta, which means I fly way too much. One of the perks of flying diamond, of being diamond status is whenever there's an empty seat in first class, for the most part, I get it. Now, this is a wonderful perk, unless I'm flying with my wife who has no status. (laughs) I've had to learn the hard way. It's not conducive to a healthy marriage for me to be chilling in first class eating Biscoff cookies while she's in coach. So what I do now when we fly together is because of my status, I'll still get the upgrade, but I'll sit down next to her and coach, which means I'm sitting in someone else's seat. Now, the person whose seat I'm sitting in will come barking at me. You're sitting in my seat, and I'll shut them up real quick by giving them my first-class ticket. Now, hear me. I haven't lost my status. I'm still diamond. I just refuse to use my status for my own selfish reasons. Don't you understand that's the gospel? Jesus was chilling in the first class section of the universe called heaven, saw us languishing in the coach section of the earth. He stepped out of first class, came to us in coach, lived the life we could never have lived, died the death we should have died so that we could get the upgrade back to heaven with him. And to be a Christian means in some way, shape, or form, I live that way. I love that way. So, Father, I bless you. I thank you for this church. 
there is something special going on here. God, you didn't just call us to have church. You called us to be church. So, Lord God, would you awaken in us new levels of love in the name of Jesus? God, would you so astound us with the beauty of the gospel? Would you so keep us tuned in to the station of your perpetual love? Will you so remind us, I'm Gomer, I'm Gomer, I'm Gomer, and you have reached down and in a strange, costly way. You walk with us every day, lavishing your grace and forgiveness on us. And so now, Lord God, would you show us other Gomers in our lives? Maybe, maybe, maybe right now there's someone thinking of a relationship they've cut off. And they need to do what you told Hosea to do, go again. So would you give us that courage to go again and to go again and to go again? God, I pray above all else that this would be a church known for its love. Now abideth faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no coincidence that the lead-off batter to the list is love. And by this will all men know that you're my disciples. Not by the theological position papers that you write. Not by the books that you read. But by the love you have for one another. Amen.